A stu stu Studio D production. I kept trying to do other stuff while Kyle was watching it, and I ended up watching the whole show. <laughs> uh, it was a total dad movement with his cup of coffee behind the couch kind of thing, where I'm like, what's going on? What's that guy steal? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, it's like a total stereotypical dad moment. Well, he's like... He's like killing the guy in front of him and he's like screaming like, no, no. And I'm on my computer already and I pull up that scene from Bucking the Office where he's like, no, no, God, no, no. And Kyle was like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> he was like, I was trying not to think about that. That's moment. great. That was amazing. No, you just talked about like the dad thing. Like, who's that? What's Sit that? down. I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story with murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. It's not like a sitcom. It's effed up family story time. This happened while we were in Arkansas. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Effed Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem, and here today we have Belle hey. and Jess. Are you ready? Here we go. Yeah. Nobody went after that. Like, are you ready to jiggle Put your hands up high, feet down low. That's the way we jiggle Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was fun. Was it? No, was it? No, oh, I don't Star know. Runner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Home Star Runner. I can't believe people still know what that is. It seems. Oh, it's like resurfacing on TikTok recently. It seems like a lifetime ago when that was like new, and we like, and the internet was fairly new, at least yeah. widely spread, and we spent hours. Watching Homestar Runner and Strong Bad and yep. and Trogdor the Burninator. Oh my god, I was at Barnes and Noble. No, Second and Charles. They have a Trogdor game, <gasps> board game. What? And that's I was crazy. like, people know who Trogdor is still? Yeah. That's cool. Burninating the countryside. Burninating the peasants. I love it. <laughs> Trogdor. Well, how's everyone doing? Good. Hanging in. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Mostly trying yeah. to get myself yeah. hype more than anything. Isn't that Woo-hoo. like a song? Yeah. Yeah. That's every song. Been, but those notes specifically ring true to a specific song in my mind. See, this is what goes on in my head. I don't know about an inner dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> just this shit, whatever you call it. Just like, <laughs> fuck this just shit. like I know, yeah. Yeah, it's a song. I know it, but I can't think of that song. Yeah, it's a song. I recognize it, but I don't know what it is. So oh, I, I can't, can't help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's no, not that's that one. not the one yeah. I'm thinking of. I will never think this is not funny because um, in Glee, they, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast we did. Because in Glee, one of the rival Glee clubs is called Oral Intensity. But it's spelled A-U, like auditory, and they sang that song on Glee, and I will never not think that that joke is funny. They sing what song on Glee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that one. I'm like, I totally lost the thread between that and the Glee thing. Um, I know. 
people so when I I minored in music my first couple years in college and I had to take uh, oral skills and you should have heard the the uh young minds and their jokes they came uh-huh. up with about oh yeah oral, oral skills. skills yeah all kinds of jokes i'm there. never i'm never gonna not think it didn't that. even phase me because i heard enough of them about playing the clarinet when i was in high school so uh yeah i can imagine kids are nasty dirty Pretty little much. fuckers yep glee man Just... yeah glee <laughs> Let's get All into right. it. So we're going to get into maybe the story. Maybe I'm thinking of damn instead of yeah. No, I can hear it. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All I can hear is that sure. <laughs> so. All right. Well, this week, Belle is telling the story. And yeah. Woo-hoo. I'm going to let you take it away. Let's get into it. All right, well, this week, I'm going back to one of my favorite subjects, aliens. All right. And Belle's family, her kin. My kin, at least for me. When I think about... trying to give her back forever, but they won't come and get her. No, I'm too much for even the aliens. Um, At least for me, when I think about alien encounters, I always picture, like, somewhere in the desert, (laughs) like Nevada. Uh It's like a farmer, and he's all alone. Um, But... Alien encounters happen all over the world. And even though we don't think about it, I wanted to tell a story about an alien encounter that happened in a little town in West Yorkshire. All right. Well, this story takes place in 1980. So the first person that we meet in our story today is Zygmunt Adamski. Zygmunt with a Z? Yeah. I love it. I do too. Um, So Zygmunt and his wife, Lottie, um, had lived in a small Wait a town. Minute. Didn't we do Adamski goes to We did to a Saturn? George Adamski, and I think he was from Utah. That is but weird. But this guy was born in Poland and lived in Poland, I think, until he moved to Yorkshire in I mean, 1957. People who aren't related can have the same last name. I know. One of my yeah, best friends. Yeah, but they both involve a popular alien story. Oh, maybe. Well, I think Adamski was a little bit less credible than yeah, what's happening here. But... <laughs> It's so, just a weird so coincidence. We have, but no, I noticed weird. that when I started doing the research. Okay, so we had George Adamski, who was the old story, and this guy is Zygmunt. Zygmunt Adamski. Adamski. I just had an epiphany. Do you think Ziggy's full name is Zygmunt? Like the comic strip Ziggy? Oh, why? I don't know who you're talking about. There's a comic strip Ziggy. I wonder if Ziggy's full name is Zygmunt. I bet it is. I bet it is. And that was a really long tangent that should all be cut out. (laughs) Because apparently that's my thing is to say cut it out, say, and then she doesn't. So there you go. So I'm going to start saying cut it out when I want you to keep it in. There you go. Try some reverse psychology on me. Mm -hmm. Um. Tell me about it. And then I don't know what the fuck to do. But you'll forget, so you won't. And and right now you won't know if I'm being serious or playing you. Yeah. Which way I'm... Which way am I going? Uh, no clue. No clue. I'm a wild card. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. Zygmunt and his wife Lottie had lived in a small town in Yorkshire, England since 1957 when they moved from Poland. They had established themselves in the community as an average married couple. Zygmunt was a retired miner. They were friendly and unassuming. And they had their little routines and, you know, like everybody in the community, like knew who they were and like respected them. 
they had you know nothing about them that like really stood out in any particular way. So one day on June 6th in 1980, Zygmunt Nadansky left his house at around 3.30 to go purchase some groceries from a local shop. He said hello to his neighbor as he passed, which was a common practice for Mr. Adamski, and he went down the street on his way. And it was days before he will be seen again. <gasps> what? Um, so while Adamski was missing, everybody in the community was really baffled at his disappearance. It was really out of his character to go missing like that. And to top it off, the following day after his disappearance was his goddaughter's wedding. And so even outside of that, like, he wasn't one to go, like, you know, disappear unannounced or without any notice, but then to miss his goddaughter's wedding on top of that. That's what I was going to ask if he, he was supposed to be there then. He was expected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a bad godfather if he doesn't. (laughs) Uh, My godfather didn't come to my wedding. Do I have a godfather? I don't don't. think so. (laughs) You have a godfather? Yeah, supposedly. Who? I don't know. I can't remember his name. Some so like some random band guy? Some guy that mom and dad were friends with when I was a baby, I guess. Really close. So probably well, some random band well, guy. But anyway, he was expected to be there. He was expected so. to be yes, at his goddaughter's wedding. And, he didn't and it wasn't an event he that he was supposed to be there and make an would um, make him an offer he can't refuse. Usually miss. <laughs> okay. So five days later, in a town about 20 miles away from where Adamski disappeared, called Todd Morden. Todd Morden. Trevor. It's like a full name. Hi, I'm Todd Morden. I know. (laughs) So in Todd Morden, a man named Trevor Parker um, worked at his father's coal yard called Tom Lynn's Coal Yard. And uh, five days after the disappearance of Adamski, he was just working a normal day. He was working on site um, in the morning. A source that I read said about 8 to 11 in the morning he was working on site and didn't notice anything out of the ordinary and everything seemed fine. Um, he left the site and came back in the afternoon. And at about 3.45, he made a phone call to the police because he had found a body on top of a 12-foot pile of coal um, face down, not moving. And so he mm. called the police, and they arrived shortly after 4 p.m. Police Constable Alan Godfrey examined the body to the best of his ability and was able to determine on site that the cause of death was a heart attack. But he had a lot of questions surrounding how this body was found. Wait, so he died? I thought this was going to be an alien abduction story. There's more. There's more to it. But this, he died. The aliens killed. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, the police constable, you know, was kind of determined based on his limited ability to examine the body that the cause of death was most likely a heart attack. But there were a lot of questions. The first being how he ended up on top of this 12 <laughs> foot pile of coal. And there was no, like, reported no disturbance on the coal, so nobody climbed and dragged the body up. There was really no way for them to have disposed the body from above. And there was, like, no evidence that anybody else had been on site when the body was left, essentially. That level of effort to get to the top could have caused a heart attack, but it seems unlikely. Well, yeah, and he was lying face down in the pile, which well, nobody, seems kind of unusual for, 
I don't know. According to them, I, what he said is that huh. it felt weird that he was laying face down in the rubble. But which way do you fall when you have a heart attack? Is it always know. back? I don't know. Huh, don't interesting. Know. Um, we'll have to look that up later. Another weird thing that happened, or that just another weird thing about how his body was left. So they there was no evidence that he had been living on the street. I mean, he had been missing for five days. Um, this was Adamski, by the way. There was, I don't know if I had said that. But you didn't, but they I assumed. had found Zygmunt Adamski's body. Did he have ID on him or whatever? No, they actually didn't find his wallet. I'm not sure how they were able. Did he able... have clothes on? He had clothes on. Okay. He had, well, here's the thing about his clothes. So he was dressed in his suit that he left the house with. And there was no evidence that he had been living on the street for any period of time. And, you know, none of that. And he had a suit jacket on. But it was fastened incorrectly, hmm. and he wasn't wearing a shirt. So he was like <coughs> a seventies man with hairy chest and like a vest on. I yeah, I okay. guess um, he had his <laughs> pants and his shoes on, but they were buckled and tied as if they had been done mm. by somebody who had very little knowledge of how oh. to do so. Huh. Um, like really, really crudely, like barely just enough to like cover it. Like it was done. You can also tell which hand they used, which can tell you which way they were facing. Just saying. Maybe not back then. When was this? <laughs> 1980. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, but that's something you can do, like, because you the way you loop it uh -huh. is sort of determined by handedness. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I said, his wallet was missing, his watch was missing, um, and he had just been left there. So are we sure it's aliens and not thieves? I mean, with a crane? Well, here's another thing, too, is that uh, one thing that was interesting that the coroner mentioned, James Turnbull was the coroner of the case. Um, one thing that he found really interesting when he did his professional examination was that despite Adamski being missing for five days, his facial hair had only grown like one day of growth. And it didn't line up with how long mm. he had been missing and when his like assumed time of death was. And there were several days where he should have had more facial hair grow. Maybe, um, maybe the aliens shaved him. Another thing is that he had several like burn marks on the back of his neck and onto his shoulders yeah. that nobody, no forensic scientists Oh, they were covered in a gel-like substance. So he had burn marks all over his back and his neck that were covered in this weird, clear gel substance that no forensic scientist was able to determine what the substance was. Weird. Hmm. And, that is weird. So um, the aliens put on a healing bomb? I'm not sure. Bomb before they left? That's what it yeah, feels like to me. Like, like it. Sorry, it was all in the name of science. Let me heal you and send yeah. you home. But then he died. Well, and they did exhaustive checks of all of the hospitals in the area around the town that Adamski came from Crazy. and the town that he was found. And there was no record of him having checked into any sort of hospital and no record of any sort of procedure or anything like that. And he was just found with these weird burn marks weird. on his neck. What wow. happened to um, his shirt? I, I don't know what happened to his shirt. Like, I don't know why that sticks in my head. But I, know, what happened I thought to that his it was shirt? really, really weird that he was wearing his suit coat but didn't have his shirt it's on. His suit coat buttoned incorrectly. Yeah. Like, it is really weird. I mean, and how did he get up on that pile? I know, without any. That was one thing Although, that uh, Alan Godfrey, the police constable, had said that one of the things that he found the most suspicious was that there was no 
evidence that anybody else had been on site. Well, and if you climb up a coal pile, pieces of coal are going to fall down. Mm -hmm. If you climb up any rock pile, you're going to have many little avalanches. It didn't look like he was dropped with any sort of force because there was no disturbance to the pile in that way. It looked like he had just been like lowered from the sky and placed onto this coal pile. I mean... I mean, the only thing I could think of that would scientifically make sense would be like a crane, but then you would most likely see marks and it was on in the, the m- body indicating post-mortem And wounds, it was in the right? middle of the day, yeah. and, you know, this Crazy. window of time for this to have happened based when Trevor Parker was on site was only a few hours and for something yeah, like a crane, you know, like that that's crazy. wouldn't be possible without being seen or caught, I feel like, you know. I watch too much TV. Or really, I, really hard to do. Yeah, total. I watch too much TV because I can't stop thinking about a Murdoch Mysteries episode <laughs> that was similar. And I have to remind myself that was fiction. <laughs> Not the same. It was um, a weird spy dirigible where <laughs> like, <laughs> some guy was dead in like a 20 foot tree. Like at the top in the branches, and he like fell out of a dirigible. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so I keep thinking maybe so, maybe he just fell out of a hot air maybe. balloon. Like, yeah. But Who no. Um, they determined that the cause of death, the final cause of death, was heart attack, but no questions were answered on how the heart attack happened, what might have influenced him to have a heart attack, and what what. Sorry, influenced to me just sounds like you're convincing someone like they influenced him to have a heart attack. Yeah. What might have triggered led triggered to it. I'm sorry, I shouldn't I tried not to laugh and just move on, Belle, but it was funny to me, like Maybe. Hey, 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 you wanna have a heart attack. That was kind of you what Starbucks did to my epilepsy. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> not wrong. True. Yeah. Crazy. It is pretty crazy. And that's only the beginning of this story. I so love that. One fun thing about this story was that when I looked it up, because if you know me, you know that I procrastinate everything to the last minute. And so I didn't pick a topic until yesterday afternoon. Sounds and about right. I found I a... think that's a trend for all <laughs> of us on the podcast. Probably. I found a little article that had a bunch of like, oh, here are four stories from the UK about alien shit. And I was like, oh, I'll pick one of those. And if it's too short, I have three others to pick right. from. And I started looking at this one and like what they had mentioned in the little blurb that they had given in the original article that I read was like an eighth of what had <laughs> happened. And as I kept researching, I was nice. like, no, like this shit is insane. This is an insane story. Well, let's hear it. Yeah. Well, right now we're taking a break. Oh, all, all right. right. Cool. Woohoo. Break time. Good. My headphones. Hey, little shemmies. Thanks for tuning in. While we were on our break, I just wanted to let you guys know how you can get a hold of us if you wanted to send us an email with your spooky stories. I'm still waiting for you to tell me those so I could tell them to you. Our email is ffsthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love to hear from you on the various social media sites. We're ffsthepodcast on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us at E-F-F-E-D up story time. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We love you, Shemmies. And uh, back to the show. Get back into the story. I walked 
jacked off twice and you still won't fire me. You're not going to fire me for smoking weed back here either. <laughs> I have walked out of my job twice and you've still begged me to come back. Yeah. If you are so desperate, you will take people who have just walked out on you. It's time to get off the dating apps and and do a little <laughs> no, uh, evaluating, a little introspective uh, evaluation, like for real. All, All right. right. All right. Yeah. What we happened get... to Ziggy? Where's the I crazy? We'll get back into it. Well, so Ziggy, unfortunately, was dead. I hope his spirit doesn't mind we call him Ziggy. Zigmund. He does have a he does have a pretty cool name, regardless of if it's Ziggy or Zigmund. It's It's pretty pretty sick. So we are going to flash forward to November, six months later in 1980. So police constable Alan Godfrey, the same police constable that showed up at the scene where Zigmund's body was found, one night, early morning. It was early morning. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. One, <laughs> One night, night, early, early morning. <laughs> so it feels like night because you're still sleeping, it was, but it was yeah, technically early morning. What I read, every... I get that. Like it's like when it's three. Do you call it night or morning? Uh-huh. Like, That's true. Yeah. Well, which is why I don't necessarily know if it happened on November 28th or November 29th because okay. I know that it happened at 5 a.m. But everything up to that basically was like the night of. And I was like, but does that, if it happened at 5 a.m. <laughs> is that the night? Or <laughs> I'm confused. I hate stuff like that. No, it happens okay. around I w- that. I want to see like numerical dates 11, 25, 08, 12, 12 p.m. So Alan Godfrey was working an overnight shift in Todd Morden when he received numerous calls about a large amount of cattle that had been presumably gotten loose out of like a local farm and they were terrorizing a local estate. <laughs> I like the use the word terrorizing. They're so threatening. I, I decided <laughs> I decided to use that word. They were committing murder. <laughs> With their soulful cow eyes. I wrote uh <laughs> I did want to point out that I typed in here uh, a herd of loose cattle, and then I typed, it's a loose seal, like from Arrested Development. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, Godfrey decided that he would investigate these strange reports alone, and he set (laughs) off to the nearby property. It's just cows I think, yeah, and it was in 1980, and it's a small, tiny town that's, like, primarily miners, and it's, like, one of those, like, well, nothing... You know, too if, terrible ever really happens around And here. if you're going to yeah. be a cop, you can't be threatened by cattle. No, and there's you, that too. You got to be able to be like, I got this. Cattle, you're done. Got to be able to handle your cattle. Yeah. yeah. Um, Unless so, they have guns. Yeah. <laughs> the cows have guns. This isn't in America. They're in England. Oh, okay. Less <laughs> they likely give the, the cows, cows to guns. have guns. Okay. So Godfrey set off on his way to go investigate the report about these cows. And he, the estate was about 10 minutes away. And he was driving down the road right before he was about to turn onto the road that led him up to the estate um, around five in the morning. He noticed something further down the road that looked as if it was kind of obscuring the way, like the whole roadway. A Um, really big cow? Really, really big cow. Bessie. Uh Uh-huh. He drives up to it and... As he approached the object, he had to, like, take a couple of seconds to fully grasp what he was seeing. 
And I watched a little, what is it, strange but true documentary or whatever from like way back in the day. It was pretty cheesy and silly. So what Godfrey reported to have seen was this like metallic diamond-shaped object that was hovering. Diamond? Yes. I actually have a picture of a drawing that I will show you guys in a minute. (laughs) A picture of a drawing? (laughs) Well, yeah. What the, I, I know. I'm just saying that's the technology age. I have a picture of a drawing of a carving that. <laughs> I know. It's like here's this that screenshot. was based on this rock in screenshot of a Tumblr post of a tweet that was reposted on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, um, the Yay, age that we live in. Technology. Anyway, so this object was about 20 feet wide, he estimated, and about 14 feet high. And it was obscuring everything around it. Um, The bottom half of the object was spinning counterclockwise as it was hovering in the air. Um, So two separately moving parts, essentially? Like, okay. Yeah, and I Was it like the shape of, like, a D100 or a D10 when, like... You know, the two triangles, like the two pyramids put together kind of shape? It was like almost like a diamond ring. I'll pull it up. It's like rounded top, and then the bottom comes down and has like flat on the bottom. Okay, so it's more like a gem, Uh a diamond gem carved versus like if you took two pyramids and put them together to make like a 3D diamond shape. Okay, yeah. That's what I was thinking is like... Like a die 10 or a die 100. So this is a redrawing that he had done. Totally different than I was picturing. So somebody plucked a diamond ring out of a setting, blew it up, and made it spin on the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And we can put this on the Instagram. Yeah, we'll put it up. I know all you listeners will be just fine with my description. (laughs) It was perfect, right? Um, It was perfect. I agree. (laughs) Salem's always been good at patronizing me, but in a way that doesn't make me feel bad. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Big sisters, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. So Godfrey's first instinct was to reach out on his radio and try to contact his fellow police officers to see if somebody could get out here and like you know what the fuck is this that I'm seeing I need somebody out here right away he attempted to call a few times but quickly realized that none of his radios were working okay so he wasn't just not getting a response his his radios weren't going through radios were not working he was not able to connect to anybody Um, when he realized that he was not going to be able to talk to anybody, he pulled out his clipboard and immediately took down a sketch and tried to take down as detailed of a sketch as possible. What a dedicated policeman. I know. So he tried to make the sketch as detailed as possible. He wanted to remember it as, you know, as much as he could. And as he was drawing, he saw this like bright flash of white light. And then suddenly he was driving back to the police station. Where did did he notice where the bright flash came from? Did it come mm-hmm. from the object or he just suddenly was overwhelmed with bright blinding light? Um, as far as I know, he just, there was a flash of bright light. And then all of a sudden, Godfrey was driving back to the police station and the object had gone. And Lost time? That's never aliens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he goes back to the police station and he begins to tell his colleagues like what had happened, what he had seen. And he and I think a couple of his colleagues had gone back to kind of investigate where the object had been and they noticed that there was several broken twigs and like, you know, like disturbances on the ground where the object had been hovering. 
And it was also raining that night, but it was dry from where the object had been. Like like, like a circular. They, okay, so they like hit a line where it went from moist to dry. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh. And as he was kind of recounting what had happened to him, he realized that this had happened at around five in the morning. And by the time he got into the police station, it was almost six. So he had lost about a half an hour yeah. of time that he could not recall anything that happened to him. Um, maybe, maybe it was drugs. Yoif. Um, that's really, <laughs> that's really how, how I feel. Part of the reason why I picked this story is cause like I'm at the car wash with Kyle and I'm reading through it on that fucking article and I'm sitting in the car while Kyle's washing it. And I had seen, it was like, he described a flash of bright light and then 30 minutes of lost time. And I was like, that sounds like what I would have those weird seizures. It's like, I'm going to do this story. Yeah. Like, oh my God. It's not aliens. It's seizures. Well, I straight up, I made a joke with my neurologist, but I genuinely considered when I was going through those weird episodes, I was yeah. like, am I getting abducted by aliens? <laughs> like losing time, yeah. weird light things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> tired and drained, weird scars. You don't know where they came from. I mean, I didn't have any of those, Aww. but that's just, I mean, Maybe some some weird bruises and oh, but that's, that's from just that's being just, ADHD, and that's also just from being part of the Watts genealogical yeah, line, um, because I always have bruises that I'm like, yeah. I, I think I bumped into something, but I really couldn't tell you. Can't how say I got for sure. That. Yeah, yeah. So he had about almost forty minutes of lost wow. time that he could not recall, that's and it wild. really, according to his perception, only fifteen minutes had passed. It just keeps getting a little weirder. Really? It gets weirder. It gets a little weirder. So a few days after the incident, Godfrey was contacted by an inspector in West Yorkshire, and he viewed the sketch that Godfrey had drawn and inquired on the details of his encounter. And he revealed that nearby in Halifax, three other police officers had reported a metallic diamond-shaped object that moved silently through the sky at a great speed. They reported that it darted erratically back and forth through the sky a couple of times and then headed off in the direction of Todd Morden. Why would it dart around? Did it get lost? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's always kind of been a question I have about why, like, you hear that with alien sightings a lot like it just zipped around across the sky and it's like why what the fuck are what's they it doing? doing yeah like if they're so smart they made it to earth from wherever the hell they came from why can't they figure out what direction to go in yeah. like are they signaling i wonder if they're just surveying like if yeah. they're like scanning but they go the so lens. fast and it's so yeah. erratic but if they have crazy like, technology. Like technology that can record it like, like a drone and so then like, but you would think that if they were that advanced they would do them they would be like intelligent enough to Maybe do a methodical search rather us. than the honestly i took ritalin and i don't have ADD search is what it's like now i believe <laughs> that they just come down here and they're high and they're like you want to see something that's really funny and they're like let's fuck with these weird i'm humans. cool with that like um, that is an explanation I accept. So on the same night, though, that wasn't all. Two other officers in Littleborough described seeing a similar aircraft. So six total officers in the area had described seeing a metallic, diamond-shaped object that silently moved through the sky on the night of November 28th or the morning of, no, I don't know, 1980. Somewhere in 1980. <laughs> 
How close were these places? Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, though, to remember about the fucking... Why did you say Jesus Christ? Because here's the thing to remember about England is that Todd Morden and Littleborough are a 12-minute drive from each other, and they make it seem... Because, like, what? Fucking the UK can fit inside of Colorado, like, 50 times. They see... Everything seems so secluded, but everything's so close. Like, they just have really good barriers of nothingness in between yeah. all these little pockets I don't of know towns. how they do it, honestly. It's amazing. So there's... But they're close. So it's like Todd one of Lord those... Todd to Halifax is a 29-minute drive. So it's like one of those kind of, like, counties in England that has a bunch of so, little villages. Yeah. Okay. That would make sense because it's like half an hour to get from Halifax to Todd Morden. So they would have seen it in Halifax probably before given that the report right. and then said the, that it moved towards Todd Morden and then probably the people okay. in Littleborough saw the same sort of... As it like left yeah. or whatever. Okay, cool. So, no, that helps. But yeah, England is weird like that. Like, it's so small. But they have so much space still. I don't get like, it. I just don't get it. Do I don't get I it know, either. Right? So the story does not end there. Okay. The story does not end there. I would hope not. We don't know what the diamond no. is. Alan Godfrey was not able to let go of the experience that he had had easily. He was consumed with what had happened to him during his missing time, and he decided to undergo hypnotherapy to try and uncover any answers of what might have happened to him. And I watched that strange but true documentary <laughs> on it, and they showed the video of him under the hypnosis, just like brief clips of it. But while under hypnosis, Godfrey recounted that he finished his sketch and got out of the car to get a closer look at the object. Um, he described looking at the object and seeing a bright light emanating from underneath. He then got back in the car but realized that the car wouldn't start. He then describes being engulfed in a bright white light. And after that, it appears he loses consciousness, saying that everything is black. Eventually, Godfrey wakes up in a small room with a tall man surrounded by six small robots. Um, he goes on to describe some sort of like pseudo-scientific experiment that happened to him. And eventually he was put back into his car where he probably woke up driving back to the police station. That's crazy. Um, I've not heard the tall man with robots thing before. Uh -uh. Have you? That's that's a new one for me. That's yeah, I don't think so. Um, I did in the interview that I did watch because they interviewed Alan Godfrey, and he did say that he's not entirely convinced that what he experienced in his hypnotherapy sessions were a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Okay. He admitted that he had picked up reading science fiction books after uh, he had his encounter. And was aware and kind of concerned of how that might influence well, how he totally. perceived the events. Yeah. But our our brain wants to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said about whether hypnotherapy allow is actually allowing you to recognize those mm -hmm. gaps or if you're still filling in the gaps. Yeah. Like I do think it can bring up memories that you might have suppressed, but yeah. it, there is that line, right? Like well, what are your memories anyway, even the ones that you haven't suppressed, you know? Your truth. I just mean, like, like how reliable are your memories? Oh, I'm, who knows? You know? Like, that's why eyewitness accounts are, are so, so problematic. Yeah. Anyway. Although Godfrey will admit that his results of the hypnotherapy might not be 100% accurate, he, in the interview, stated that he he is fully convinced that what he saw on the night of November 28th was a UFO. And he, I have a quote, 
I saw what I saw and nobody on this earth is going to tell me any different. So he, that's... I'm okay with that. That's the story. Because that is odd and I can't think of any reason that Britain or the U.S. or anywhere really would create a diamond-shaped yeah. vessel. Well, yeah. and it also is that just like... spins on the bottom. The way that he spoke about it with his colleagues with such sincerity, and he was never kind of the person to yeah. kind of indulge in those sort of, like, fantastical yeah. kind of stories and stuff. Isn't like, everybody believed him, and it was like he's still so yeah. convinced um, and doesn't necessarily know what happened to him during that missing time, but knows that he encountered some sort of unidentified right. flying object that and has, has never been time. confirmed. And has unaccounted time. And, I mean, I think it's funny if you think about how many people who report alien encounters who would be described as people who are very mild-mannered and very, you know what I mean? And yeah. very trustworthy and reliable, so you trust them. I just find that interesting. I think it's interesting that after the weird disappearance, and I just think it's interesting that Alan Godfrey was connected to both of those weird cases. Six months apart from each other. I'm sorry, if something's smart enough to find its way here, they're smart enough to manipulate that kind of situation. But yeah. that's crazy. It's just It is wild. crazy. It is crazy. I Agreed. I agree. That was I a good story. I wish I could be that manipulative. <laughs> yeah. Effectively. Yeah, that, effectively. I agree. That's my story. I liked it. Thanks. Nice job. Well, that was an effed up story. Yeah. I know, right? What's like, next? Crazy. Time for something not effed up. The poor Ziggy. Corner. Yeah, poor Ziggy. I know. I know. He just gets dumped. Poor Ziggy. On a I'm pile protesting. Of coal. Imagine my sign that says no pee-pee corner, guys. No pee-pee corner. I didn't say pee-pee corner. She did. I did. No pee-pee corner. My story, my pee-pee corner today is... Keep the pee in the toilet. It's not meant for a podcast. Keep... (laughs) Sorry, I don't know. I'm not that great at coming up with, like, chants. You don't protest often. I'm not a protester. I'm too lazy. Sorry, guys. I know I should fight for the world, but I'm pretty (laughs) apathetic about things. That's that's all right. So my positive plug is, so in L.A., they have issued its very first unicorn license. What does that mean? To own so, a unicorn? Or yes. to be a unicorn. To own a unicorn. So like so, a dog license. This little girl for, okay. in LA wrote to wrote a letter to um, LA County and it said, Dear LA County, I would like your approval if I can have a unicorn in my backyard, if I can find one. Please send me a letter in response. Madeline. And then on November 30th, 2022, <laughs> the department issued her a certification to have a unicorn. Oh. If, if she, she can could, find one. If she can find one. I, and it's his very first unicorn license. And I thought <laughs> oh, that so that was right. so cute. She's seven and she's obsessed with well, unicorns and she's going to take a plane to Scotland to go find one and oh, then is keep she it think, in. Is well, that where she thinks they are? They live in Scotland. Scotland yes. Oh, that's great. Cool. I love that because when you first said it, I was like, what the fuck kind of crazy shit no, is this going to be? No, it's really fucking cute. But the thing, <laughs> the thing that really made it hit home for me is that if I can find one. So it wasn't <laughs> just like... 
this girl's like, I want it. It was like, like hey, give me a unicorn. <laughs> if I can ever find one, do I have your permission to keep it in my backyard? Yeah. Like, and yeah, they were like, totally. If you ever find one, you can totally have there's it. There's an element of practicality there that I, I kind <laughs> of appreciate. I, which, yeah. unfortunately, is what I appreciate a lot because I'm just so boring and weird. But I love that well, she was like, if I can find one, like nobody got their hopes up. You're talking about that, unicorns like, nobody goes, too. Got so their hopes like, up. Like, yeah. We gotta find one. That's part of it. I want to find this girl a unicorn now. Right? I know we gotta go and get her one. When we do our squatching, we'll have to do some <laughs> unicorn hunting. We'll have also. to look for the last unicorn. The last unicorn. <laughs> mm. I'm alive. Right. I'm alive. You're welcome. Is that it? Are yeah, we done? No, that was it. We're done. That's our podcast. We'll end it on that note. Well, thank you, Shemmy. Thank you. Thank you for that Please great review story, Belle. And follow and subscribe and do all the things. I just wave goodbye at everybody and I realize that Tell no us, one can see me. No one can see you, Jess. Recommend I mean, we can us see to you, your friends. None of our listeners can see you. We love you. <laughs> we love you. Our Shemmy. Goodbye. Goodbye. Jess is waiting.